Welcome to the Real Time Roots Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Diel, and Sarah is in the studio with me. Hi, everyone. At Joybelie, we help you grow your own food and medicine so that you can create health and wellness for your loved ones naturally. In today's episode, we're talking about some topics that are near and dear to my heart. We're talking about natural wellness and how you can achieve wellness naturally and self-sustainably. So I want to start by telling you a little story about myself. Not very many people know this. Well, when I was 17, I, I got my first full-time job working at a bank. And within the first six months of working at the bank, I was held up at gunpoint. Now, within the second six months, I was held up at gunpoint again, two times in one year. The first bank was in downtown Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And the second one, I had moved to a rural bank and I was still held up at gunpoint. And when it happened, I kind of went into a mechanical mode and uh, just started handing over the cash, putting it in the robber's bag and grabbing the marked bills and slipping the, the paper clip off and trying to tuck them in. I closed my wicket, waited for the robber to walk out of the bank and get safely away. And then I pressed the alarm button and closed my wicket. And after the bank robber left and I wrote down his description on a piece of paper, I started shaking uncontrollably and a more experienced teller than me came over, took me to the cafe next door and ordered me a cup of chamomile tea. And she just kept ordering me cups of chamomile tea for the next two hours. A police officer came to the table in the restaurant and took my description of the bank robber and uh, asked me what had happened and I was able to describe it. And then they ordered, the bank ordered me a cab to take me home and I went to bed and slept until the next morning. And when I got up the next morning, it was, I was fine, like none of it had happened. But what that experience taught me was the power of herbs because up until that point in my life, I had never really used herbs for anything. And I realized that herbs actually had quite a bit of power. It was just chamomile tea in a tea bag, but it helped me to gain control of my emotions. It helped me relax. It helped me go to sleep. And it stopped the worry and ruminating that was going on in my mind after that traumatic experience. One of the interesting things now, years later, I'm an herbalist and I study herbs and I use them much more frequently than I did when I was a 17-year-old girl. And what I realized is that that chamomile tea had a lot of actions. Now, it was given to me just to kind of calm me down and help me to get my thoughts together so that I could help the bank by describing the bank robber. But it had a lot more actions than that. And Sarah... Can you just tell our listeners the actions that you have experienced personally with chamomile and that you've you've learned as you've studied herbs? Sure. Chamomile actually has over 20 individual herbal actions, and I'm just going to highlight a few of my personal favorites that are among the reasons that I use chamomile. Chamomile helps calm muscle spasms, so I often will use it after a heavy workout or after a really long day if I'm on my feet or out in the garden. It really helps with reducing delayed onset muscle soreness, and it also helps with reducing the chance of getting a charley horse in the middle of the night. 
Uh, chamomile reduces inflammation, which again helps with having a cup of it in the evening after a long day gardening. It's calming, as Chris already mentioned with her story. It can also calm or ease some of the allergy symptoms, particularly ones that have to do with your mucous membrane swelling. So it's good for if you have, say, a pollen allergy or hay fever allergy that's been getting activated by being out in the garden. It can help with that. It's also good for improving mood. I like using it in connection with St. John's wort. And it can also help against viruses as well as microbes and bacteria. It's broad spectrum in that regard. And lastly, if you were to use it as, say, a wound wash or something, it can help with wound healing. And I also take it uh, during that time of the month as it is a uterine tonic and can also calm muscle spasms that are caused by the muscles in the pelvic region. And I have a 17-month-old, so there are times when she is quite worried where I will take chamomile so that she will calm down after her next nursing session. So that's just a quick overview of some of the reasons I use chamomile. That's amazing. Um, of course, most people who have chamomile in a teacup don't realize all of the great things that chamomile can do for them. Chamomile also is a great thing to have right after a big meal, like a big turkey dinner during the holidays. It helps with digestion and it stops the spasmings that can happen when you've eaten too much. Another great herb for when you've eaten too much is peppermint. And peppermint also is an herb with an awful lot of actions. I like to order peppermint tea if we go out to a restaurant, because, you know, sometimes you go to a restaurant and you're not quite sure how you're going to react to the food you eat. Peppermint just helps with digestion and also is another antispasmodic, so it helps to keep your stomach calm. And it's also great for nausea. A lot of people will talk about taking uh, like ginger for nausea, but peppermint also helps with nausea. Um, another thing that peppermint can help with is if you have a dry cough or if you like a stuffed nose or, you know, cold symptoms or flu symptoms, peppermint can help with that. It also helps reduce a fever and it's very cooling. And like chamomile, it helps with muscle spasming as well. Now, we're only kind of scratching the surface. Um, the main thing we want to get across is that one herb is not like taking one pill. Taking an herb as an herbal tea or maybe as a, a tonic or even as a tincture can help uh, with a wide variety of things. Whereas if you take a pill, you're, you're helping with the one action that the pill does. If you're interested in learning more about um, all of the wonderful things that herbs can do, we have an Herb of the Month Club. And if you look in the show notes, there's a link there that you can find out more about the Herb of the Month Club. In the Herb of the Month Club, we study one herb and, and it's kind of a game where you do something with the herb every single day of a month so that you get to know the herb really well and how you react to it and how it can benefit you. So if you're interested, there'll be um, a link in the show notes where you can get more information. One of the things that we talk about in the Herb of the Month Club is that you don't need all the herbs. A lot of people will start taking maybe an herb course and they think they have to buy all the herbs to, uh, to actually have an herbal apothecary. And that's not the case at all. If you get to know just a handful of herbs, you know, 10 or 20 herbs really, really well, and maybe even have them growing in your garden or growing around you, you can address 
a great many of the kinds of wellness issues that you might have in your family. As Sarah mentioned, uh, chamomile for a teething baby or uh, peppermint for indigestion. And so that's what we want to really talk about in today's session. Well, I remember being very surprised when we were uh, preparing the herb of the month on sage and also on basil, just how many different herbal actions and interactions, just those two simple culinary herbs that are in everybody's garden and everybody's spice cabinet had. And I've actually ended up using a lot more sage and a lot more basil in my cooking because I know how good they are for mental health even. And so really, you don't need a lot of exotic herbs. You barely need any exotic herbs. Ginger and turmeric are probably the only two exotic herbs I use a ton of because they are great in culinary use. And the rest of the herbs that I use are largely the ones I can either wild forage, like St. John's wort, or that I can grow in my own garden, like peppermint, chamomile, basil, and sage. Keeping it simple is great. I think the other thing that is great about herbs and the fact that you only need a handful is that it can be overwhelming. And so by learning just one or two and knowing them really well, you can gain confidence in using them. And what I found too is that um, as an herbalist, I pay attention to the, the weeds that are growing around me in the garden or that I pass when I'm walking. And those herbs tend to show up in the environment just when we need them. For instance, I have a birth defect that affects my heart. And they found it when I was pregnant with my first child. And when we moved to our new house, I had a hawthorn tree growing right outside my kitchen window. And we harvest the hawthorn fruit from that tree every single year. And I make hawthorn tincture with it. And I take the hawthorn tincture and I don't have heart palpitations. It just calms everything down. It helps me control my blood pressure and um, basically takes care of the symptoms of that heart defect that I have. And I am not on prescription medication at all for it. Now, we're not doctors, we're not giving you medical advice, we're expressing our own experience with the herbs. And uh, so you need to do your own research if you're thinking of taking an herb that's going to replace a prescription medication. Always talk to your doctor first and do your own research. There is also Japanese knotweed. Japanese knotweed tends to show up in an environment just before the ticks come to the environment. And Japanese knotweed is an essential herb for dealing with Lyme disease. So it's, it's just interesting how God puts into our environment the things that we need before we need them. What do you think about that, Sarah? Well, I agree on that. When I was working in Kelowna a couple of years ago, I had an accidental concussion when I was at work. And my body triggered a craving for yarrow tea. And if you're familiar with yarrow, or even if you're not, yarrow has a very medicinal smell and a very medicinal taste. It's very bitter medicinally, and you would think that it would cause an upset stomach. So having full concussion symptoms, dizziness, upset stomach, not really able to sit up, having a craving for yarrow tea was a very strange thing. But we happened to find yarrow directly outside our back door at the little basement suite we were renting at the time. And... After nursing a cup of yarrow tea for about two hours before I could actually drink the whole thing, almost all of the concussion symptoms were gone within three hours. The headache, the dizziness, and the nausea. 
And then the next time I got a concussion from playing with my little one on the floor and hitting my head into the coffee table, I grabbed the yarrow tincture that I had made and kept on hand since then and took that and didn't have any concussion symptoms show up. So there's always herbs to find in your environment and often the one you need can be within six feet of your back door, even in the city. As long as you know which herbs to take. And I think as you gain experience with them, then like you, you, you get kind of a intuitive sense of what you need. Your body will tell you if you're listening. Um, I think though, after that story, Sarah, I think we need to buy you a helmet. I've only done it twice. <laughs> so one of the reasons that I'm, I'm super interested in helping people discover herbs is because the medical system is failing us. 10% of all U.S. deaths now are due to medical error, according to a study by John Hopkins. Medical error is the third highest cause of death in the U.S., and medical errors are also an under-recognized cause of death. So all of the deaths due to medical errors are not being reported. Um, also, there's been a number of drug recalls, especially with the non-steroid anti-inflammatory drugs, things like ibuprofen and Advil and those kinds of drugs. There are severe adverse reactions that nobody anticipated with them. 10% of hospital admissions in older people at a cost of $800 million annually are due to non-steroid anti-inflammatory drugs. 30% of hospital admissions are due to drug reactions, including bleeding, heart attack, stroke, and kidney damage. In primary care, 6% of patients that have been prescribed non-steroid anti-inflammatory drugs consulted their GP with a potential adverse drug reaction within two months of taking the drugs. And there are very safe herbal alternatives to non-steroid anti-inflammatory drugs, um, things like turmeric and chamomile and peppermint. And individuals need to do their own research, of course, and to try different things to see what works. Uh, for me, when I, I have a little bit of arthritis in my hand, and it's just kind of showed up, and what I do is I will make a curry dinner and add additional turmeric and a little bit of black pepper when I'm cooking, and I use that when I have pain, and often it will ease, ease the pain, ease the spasming, and I can have mobility in the joint again. And speaking of turmeric, so turmeric is a spice that hopefully you have in your spice cabinet, along with ginger and cinnamon and nutmeg and allspice. Spices actually have a really interesting history. Sarah, you've done a bit of studying about the history of spice. Can you maybe tell us a little bit about the historical use of spices? Sure, I'd be glad to. There's often some jokes about Britain conquering the world for spices and then having some of the blandest traditional food around. But that's because they weren't conquering the world for spices to use in cooking. They were doing it for spices to use as medicine. And many of our spices, like turmeric for example, are also natural dyes. And so many of those things that people desired in the days of history were either brighter colors for clothing or stronger spices for medicine. 
So the turmeric and the ginger that was being imported would be used either to dye cloth a vibrant yellow in the case of turmeric or as an anti-inflammatory medicine. And it's only been in the last couple hundred years that we've actually ended up with synthetic pharmaceutical-based drugs. Before that time frame, people were using herbs and imported spices for their medicine, as well as for their food. And before the advent of refrigeration, they were also using the spices as antibacterial agents to preserve their food so that the food wouldn't go bad in just a few hours or a few days. They would actually use a lot of spices and a lot of herbs and things like pepperoni, jerky, sometimes in connection with salt for the salted meats, to make sure the food would stay good so it could be used in cooking or used to provision travelers. If you're just getting started thinking about using herbs to make something so that you can feel better and start to tap into the natural wellness, I've got the perfect course for you. My course, the Inspiring Botanical Drinks Mixers and Elixirs course. In this video course, you'll learn how to make healthy beverages that will help you break away from sodas and sugary drinks or plain boring water. Even if you have a two or three soda a day habit, even if the kids are home and you keep running out of ice and ideas, even if you struggle to get enough fluids in your body because of the heat, even if you are watching your macros, your carbs, or your waistline, even if you have food sensitivities or allergies, and even if the rising price of food and drink has you making tough decisions about where to cut costs. If you are making more food at home and watching your budget, but go to the same bottled beverages day in and day out, this class will inspire you to up your game in the beverage category with healthy and creative options that are also kind to your budget. So have a look at the inspiring Botanical Drinks Mixers and Elixirs class. You'll find the link in the show notes. When we're talking about herbs and spices, the constituents in herbs and spices that are really helpful, there's two. One is the aromatic molecules, and that's the same type of thing that you get when you get an essential oil. So essential oils can be used too, but not in cooking. I don't recommend using essential oils internally at all. But that aromatic sweet smell that spices have is part of the therapeutics. But the other part of the therapeutics is the color. And the color comes from flavonoids and carotenoids, and those things are antioxidant. And the antioxidants help us because it stops uh, free radical damage in our bodies. And so that's one of the reasons to use spices. Now, often spices come to us as ground up powder. And one of the issues with the spices in your spice cabinet, using them medicinally now, is the fact that we get it as ground powder. It used to be that when people went and bought spices, they bought whole spices and they'd bring them home and they'd use a mortar and pestle and grind them just before they use them. And in India and in many cultures where spices are very important to the culinary arts, they will hand grind the spices. Often they'll cook them to bring out the aromatics uh, very briefly, like flash fry them in a frying pan, and then they'll grind them with a mortar and pestle. And that fresh grinding 
uh, prevents the oxidization from prematurely happening. So the antioxidants are available to your body. So when we get spices, we often buy powdered spices in, in little glass bottles that we can, or plastic bottles even, that we shake on our food. Um, it's really important if that's how you're buying spices, if you want the therapeutic medicinal benefits as well, to get your spices fresh, to buy them from a place that has high turnover. And then if they're already powdered when you get them, refresh that every three to six months because there's oxidation happening as soon as they're powdered and then that oxidation continues and so they lose their potency quickly even if they still kind of smell fresh and even if they have some flavor you're losing some of the benefits of them if you don't refresh your spices now that doesn't mean you should throw out your spices you can uh, use them in the garden. I use my old cinnamon on plants when I'm starting plants in the house uh, to prevent damping off disease. They still have some antifungal quality. It's just not as potent as the fresh spice. Did you want to add anything to that, Sarah? Uh, just that any spices or herbs that you can get is better than not getting them because you can't get them in their ideal form. And I like using fresh turmeric and ginger whenever I can get a hold of it. It's not always in stock locally, but I like grating ginger and putting it in ice cube trays with lemon juice because it goes really, really well in stir fries with the ginger and lemon combined. And I will also grate uh, turmeric and freeze it with a little bit of oil in the ice cube trays as well so that I can have the benefits of the fresh herb without actually having to try and keep the fresh herb on hand and use it up before it goes bad. That's a great idea. But of course, the dried and powdered herbs for, say, ginger or for turmeric, it's better to have them on hand to be able to use them than to avoid getting them because you won't use up that piece of fresh root before it goes bad, so why buy it? So any herbs you can get and use are better than no herbs at all, or spices, as the case may be. Herbs and spices are very accessible. They're all around us. They're in our grocery stores. They're at the farmer's market. They're in our gardens. They're even in our lawns, as the case may be with dandelions. So there is really no middleman preventing you from accessing many of your local herbs and spices. They're there. They're available. And probably the only stumbling block that might be there is knowledge. But once you can learn those herbs just one at a time, maybe take ginger or turmeric, or chamomile, or peppermint, you can start taking your health and wellness into your own hands. What do you think, Chris? I absolutely agree with you, Sarah. It's so important to cut out the middleman. And the other thing about knowledge is that as you gain the knowledge, you invest the time to learn, whether you do that on the internet or by taking a course or joining a membership. When you invest the time to actually learn that, no one can take that away from you. Even if we lose the ability to buy herbs and spices at the grocery store because of the broken supply chains, even if the government comes in and says, uh, you have to spray around you or anything, nobody can take away that knowledge that you have of how to use the herbs. And I think that's really important because Herbal medicine, herbal uh, remedies are the people's medicine and it belongs to the people. It's part of our heritage and part of our culture. And that knowledge isn't being taught in schools. And it's uh, something that you have to actually make an effort to learn.
We have talked about today the importance of taking your wellness into your own hands and how you can begin that journey by paying more attention to the herbs and spices that you have already in your house, in your medicine cabinet, and also growing, maybe you've got some culinary herbs growing in a herb garden or in a pot outside your door, or even in the wild, there are medicinal herbs. And once you get to recognize them, identify them, and learn how they can help you, you will be able to move toward a more natural wellness. So in the next episode, we have a special guest that's going to dig a little deeper into this topic, and I'm really excited to share that episode with you. Sarah, what positive action can our listeners take today to help them learn this more? Well, they could always look through their herb and spice cabinet and see what herbs and spices they actually have on hand, what the age of those herbs and spices is. And if there might be anything that needs to be refreshed to something that will have more flavonoids and antioxidants and stuff available to them. There's lots of things you can do with herbs that are considered spent. They can go into the garden for compost. I use cinnamon in my seed starting pots to help reduce the chance of damping off disease or to repel insects. So you can also just spread herbs into the garden on the surface of the soil. And even when they're no longer that ideal for culinary or herbal use, herbs and spices can still provide some benefit with their scent or their constituents to plants and to repelling the predatory and pest insects that you don't want in your garden. Also, a lot of herbs and spices will act, their scent will actually attract insects that will predate the insects that would otherwise destroy your crops. So there are lots of things you can do even with spent herbs and spices that are in your cupboards. And of course, once you've identified what is no longer good, you can get fresh spices and enjoy food with brighter flavor and more wellness benefits just with using food as your medicine so that you don't have to ever hopefully use medicine as your food. Thank you, Sarah, for helping me today and uh, being here with our listeners. And thank you, listeners, for listening. Remember, as we say goodbye, to like, share, and subscribe to this podcast and help us reach more people with this important message of taking wellness into your own hands. Thanks for joining me. Bye-bye.